This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hi, how are you? All right, let's get the show started. (laughs) It is the Monty Show. Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. How the heck are you? Hope you are well. Hope you are better than De'Aaron Fox's layups. And I'm still sitting here in awe 12 hours later at what the stupid Sacramento Kings did. We'll talk about one of the worst trades in the history of good trades. Hi, Jake. Hello. I'm in a weird mood today, admittedly. Why? I actually slept pretty well last night. After bitching about sleeping well or not sleeping well, I actually slept pretty well last night. Okay. So you I have went a lot to the of doctor energy. yesterday. I did go to the doctor yesterday. Uh huh. Just for a checkup on my knee and and no ass vacuuming. No, no finger in the buho. Okay. Um, he would not draw my blood though. Why? He said that um, there are no indicators that we need to do another blood panel, and most people like I was like, well, I'd like to see you know because all of I essentially had one marker in my blood work that was of concern to me. And he's like, well, I would have been worried about it if X, Y, Z. And so he's like, there's just no indication that you have a need or we need to look at your numbers again. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't do that. He poked at my leg a bunch and he's like, no, I think it's fine. Don't worry about it because my leg is fine. Like it doesn't hurt. It's not swollen. The blood's all reabsorbed and stuff. Right. Right. So I essentially went for a six month follow up on a physical I had. Um, I was complaining the other day that I hadn't recently lost weight. Right. Well, it turns out on the doctor scale, I lost at least a pound. <coughs> um, so that felt good. I was happy about that. I yeah. did ask him about my cough. <coughs> um, and he said there is a viral cough going around. And he said, have you been COVID tested? I said, yes, three times. I've I've tested negative each time. And he said, yeah, my guess is you're, you know, you're just about over this viral cough. It lasts about six weeks for most the people. The coronavirus. Yeah, so. Six weeks. Six weeks, he said. You know, he's, he, is, he has been seeing people where, you know, they go through this cycle of coughing for like six weeks. And he said, eventually, you know, you're, you, you, he asked me what it was, what was happening and. I was like, well, you know, I cough about twice a day now, you know, and at the end of the day, I talk on the phone all day and um, I said I cough more towards the end of the day. But today, you know, yesterday, I didn't really cough at all. Right. And he said, yeah, one day you're just going to stop coughing and you're not going to remember, you know, that to think about it. He said, that's what happens. He said, generally, that's going to take six weeks. Well, I'm at about six weeks right now yeah. since all of this kicked off when we were in Tahoe. So it's already been six weeks since Tahoe. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of, there is a, there is a, a pretty good flu going around that's hallmarked by a pretty significant cough. Yeah. Well, and Hey, I mean, sucks. at least you're at the end of it. You yeah. Know, that's, it sucks. I mean, that's the good news about it. Uh, you know, uh, what's up? Uh, Cody Strickland says morning menu, uh, just ended the show when the trade events started sucks that everyone is getting better, but the jazz. Oh, we'll talk about that. Funky Orion, hello. Edgar Garcia, how the heck are you? Brylark, uh, Jair Murray Jr. Tanner Plummer says, hope you're better than De'Aaron Fox's layups too soon. Yeah, hey seriously. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. 
Tanner, you have your own drop now. Um, <laughs> seriously. Uh, Jair uh, says, do you guys think we can trade Royce and Clarkson on deadline day? I hope we land somebody like OG, great defenders. It's not going to happen. I think, um, and I guess we can get into it after you hit subscribe. And if you're here right now, give us a thumbs up. Um, subscribe to win this PlayStation 5. You can also uh, follow us on TikTok. If you follow us on TikTok and you're subscribed to the channel, that's two to one. By the way, how are we going to get these shirts? I don't know, bro. First of all, let me ask you this. We're going to get the Jazz in two minutes. Promise. So you in the mail yesterday got a recall on your Audi. I just want to get to this really, really quick. Here so you, you get this in the mail, right? But before that happened, we were talking about trying to get your car to the dealership to get an oil change so you could take the car to to um, California. Mm -hmm. So we like have all these things we're trying to do. We're trying to get shirts. We're trying to drop your car off. Trying like, to snowboard one more time. We're trying to snowboard one more time. Like So we have to figure out like what we're going to do. So how are we going to get the shirts? I'm not sure yet. We're going to have to like we know, are drive up there, I guess. We are debuting the new shirts um, Monday in Los Angeles. So the show will, the next two weeks, starting Monday, we're in LA and we're going to debut our new, uh, casual shirt. Um, so we will be doing that, uh, Monday. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll have that for you. I don't know how I'm physically going to get them before I leave for LA. I'll figure it out. Uh, I got to close on my, my investment property on Friday. Good Christ, by the way. I got the uh, I got the statement, the closing statement yesterday. My God, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. But dude, buying real estate is so expensive. Right Come on, now. man. There is a house for sale in South Jordan that we were looking at buying. There's a house for sale in South Jordan that is a modest home. It's not one of the big ones or. It's $258 a square foot. Are you out of your goddamn mind? I, real estate is crazy right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, all right. Let's get to you subscribing to this channel, to you following us on TikTok to win this uh, PS5 8K gaming, bitches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, I don't know what that means. Breathtaking immersion. You know. Uh, Giggity says, what's up, guys? What time are you planning on doing your shows while in California? Same time. Same time. We're, We're going to take a freaking beating, dude. <laughs> like, it's going to be rough, bro. 5.30 Pacific time, <laughs> 6.30 Mountain is what we're talking about. Um, all right. Without further ado, yeah. uh, let's talk Utah Jazz trades and NBA trades because it has already kind of been crazy. Um, and for the last week or so, we've really been following um, the Harrison Barnes rumor mill. Um, with the Knicks and the Celtics supposedly offering first-round picks. Well, with this Tyrese Halliburton deal that came down yesterday, mm -hmm. and I think that shocked the NBA, a lot of people kind of fell off the Harrison Barnes bandwagon, and now we're starting to get back into that. Um, and many people, as we've been telling you for a couple of weeks, the Kings have had the ability to make deals with several teams, and obviously they've played the waiting game through this deadline and I don't know what they were thinking on the Tyrese Halliburton deal, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Harrison Barnes to the to the Jazz is a possibility. I do not believe it's likely. And the issue is that I'm told the Knicks and the Celtics are willing to give a first-round pick to get Harrison Barnes. If the Celtics are unable to make the Malik Beasley, T-Wolves, Marcus Smart deal, 
I think the Jazz have almost no chance of getting Harrison Barnes because Harrison Barnes fits exactly what the Boston Celtics need. And I think the Knicks would really like to have him. I think the Lakers would really like to have him. Mm -hmm. Although I don't think the Lakers, I think the Lakers and Jazz are in very similar situations um, that they are kind of landlocked by one awful contract and a lack of, <laughs> of assets beyond that. Um, so I think it's very difficult to think that the Lakers would be able to land Harrison Barnes as well. But all of this to say, I think Harrison Barnes, Jake, would be a great fit with the Jazz. Yeah, I think Harrison Barnes is a little bit more athletic than a couple of the guys you have on the roster right now. Uh, and I think he's a veteran, and I think he's got a lot of experience specifically in the postseason. You know, he, he had his run with Golden State back in the day, uh, and I think that, that Harrison Barnes would would be a good addition. But, I, I, it's, it's a, again, this is what we always talk about. For the Jazz, it's kind of tough sledding right now when you're trying to compete with other teams who have a first-round pick to offer. I mean, where, where do you go if you're the Utah Jazz? Because basically, you're just offering, um, you know, players for players. You know, they do have one, one first-round pick, but that's like several years off. That's like 26. So, to me, I... I love what, what I'm hearing that Danny Ainge is doing. You know, he's out there. He's on the phone. He's trying to make something happen. And I think that's all that you can ask him to do, you know. And, and I think the real the real conundrum here, if you're Danny Ainge in this front office team, like Justin Zanuck and everybody, you're sitting here trying to make deals and trying to get better. But at the same time, you know this summer is go time for rebuilding this team. So if you are, my feeling is, this is my opinion, right? We haven't been told this, but my opinion is if you're Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge, you're this team trying to get deals done, you know, you're probably doing that with the mindset of, okay, we need to make all the calls. We need to make our, our highest and best effort here. But we also understand, hey, if it doesn't get done, you know, we're going to look to the summer to really start to make some some big time moves. So if they don't get Harrison Barnes, is it the end of the world? No. No. Would it be great if they got Harrison Barnes? Absolutely. I think. I think you know, if you were able to swap, even just swap Harrison Barnes for, let's say, a bogey, I think that might be a, a, a slight upgrade. Like I said, I think Harrison Barnes is probably a better defender than 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 Bogdanovich. I think you know, offensively, they're probably pretty close. You know, Bogey's probably a better three point shooter. Harrison Barnes probably has him in the mid range. So. It kind of just depends, but I don't think there'd be anything wrong with them going and getting Harrison Barnes. But again, to your point, I think it's going to be tough for them to to win that battle because they don't have the first-round picks. Yeah, and I, I think the hardest thing for me is that if I'm the Sacramento Kings, this Tyrese Halliburton trade is mind-numbing. Like, I, I am I am, I am, am in all, in, in listen, the Kings – Nobody is going to mistake them with one of the best organizations in sports. Mm -hmm. They routinely make big mistakes in player personnel. But I feel like even this deal is unf unfathomable. I, I Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that shoots the three over 40%, is dropping dimes on a regular basis. He's 21 years old, and he's already – a, a significant contributor in the top half of, of his, of his position group. Yes. He's already a guy that franchises saw as somebody they could build around the Indiana Pacers gave up. And, and I, and I understand DeMontis Sabonis is a 25 year old hybrid center. He is a really good player. I get 
that you have struggled in the middle, that you are languishing with Alex Len. Totally understand the Marvin Bagley situation. You don't trade one of the most dynamic young point guards in the NBA for a center. Yeah. You, I think it's just a huge mistake. I think that if you'd have traded Deer and Fox to the Knicks when they wanted him, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. You would likely be a playoff team already in Sacramento. And, and if you listen to Woj on ESPN, yesterday he was saying that Sacramento made this trade because they felt like Sabonis put them in the playoffs. Well, what did Halliburton do for you? And that's the thing I can't get away from. So when we look at all of these deals that are being made and where the Jazz are, trades are possible. And if we learned anything yesterday, there's a sucker born every deal in this league. There's a buyer and there's a seller in every single trade. C.J. McCollum got sold to New Orleans. And it's a, it, that trade is amazing to me that the Portland Trailblazers, who had one of the worst cap situations, mm-hmm. who had talent that just was an awkward fit, have figured out a way to completely remake their roster, and they are set up to be one of the most dominant forces in the summer ahead of us, the 2022 summer offseason. The Blazers have all the assets at their hands, and it's largely because the New Orleans Pelicans traded for C.J. McCollum, who's overpaid and hasn't won anything. That's the thing that I'm amazed. Like, Am I overvaluing... I guess maybe I'm overvaluing Halliburton. Am I undervaluing C.J. McCollum? Well, I think I, I think uh, no. So no, I don't think you are with either of them. I, I think you're spot on with both of them. C.J. is a great player who hasn't won a damn thing, and that's been the problem in Portland. They haven't won anything. You know, Halliburton is a guy that I, I completely agree. He's 21 years old. He's a hell of a player, and there's a ton of upside left. You know, you can see where when you watch him play. You know, obviously he plays, you know, did play for the Kings. Like, it's obscure Kings basketball, right? So there's probably not a ton of people watching him play. But being that we don't have a life and we do watch all these games, yeah, being, you know, watching him play, there is a lot of room uh, in his game to improve even still with how good he is. So, yeah, I was shocked to to see them move Halliburton. I think the McCollum thing uh, is brilliant basketballing by the Portland Trailblazers. I think the New Orleans Pelicans got sold on this concept of Brandon Ingram, you know, C.J. McCollum, and some guy named Zion Williamson who seemingly doesn't play basketball anymore. Yeah. And, and I again, earlier this week, I tweeted, you know, about, about Zion. Is Zion still even in the NBA? Jokingly, right? Like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, yes, he's still in the NBA, but the guy never plays. And, and when he did play, he really, like, was a disappointment. And that's the unfortunate part. And I think... You know, so for New Orleans, do I like the concept uh, of Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum together? Absolutely. I think C.J. McCollum is a player that can take you to the playoffs. Is he a championship caliber player? That's a different conversation. But at least he can improve that team. So for if you're New Orleans, I get why you did this deal. But at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, Portland did this deal because they have higher aspirations and Dame's clock is ticking. Dame's clock is almost yes, out of time. 31 years old. You know, he's he's not got a lot of time left, you know, and by NBA standards. He probably got five years, you know. That's that I mean, again, that's not a lot of time by NBA standards. So yeah, I get it. So I guess to answer the question, 
you know, the 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 Halliburton trade is by far the worst trade. Uh, if if we're talking about why would you trade that guy, that's by far one of the dumbest trades I've ever seen if you're the Kings. I mean, Hal Burton's going to be a star in this league and basically already is. Um, I look at I look at what Portland did. I really like it. I think you I think it's probably three or four seasons too late. I would have done this sooner, but hey, they did it. It's you know, obviously it's their decision. And then if you're New Orleans, you know, this isn't the first time New Orleans has been fleeced, right? This isn't the first time that New Orleans has been sold and taken advantage of, right? We all remember the Anthony Davis situation. So, you know, like I said, I think in the NBA, it is a dog-eat-dog league, right? You're, you have your, your handful of teams who are good every single year and are going to make the tough decision and, and they're going to take risks. And nine times out of ten, those risks work out. And one times out of ten, you have Russell Westbrook on a $40 million player option, right? So that's what the league is. But he I'm just, has a forty-seven million yeah, dollar 47, player option. Forty-seven million dollars. Russell I mean, Westbrook. You're not moving that contract. And so my point in all of this is just to say, if we bring this back to the Jazz, the Jazz are in a in between a rock and a hard place. And just the same way that the Portland Trailblazers traded C.J. McCollum and made the tough trade, the tough trade, if you will. Yeah. The Jazz are going to have to do that same thing this summer. They're going to have to pick a guy. And I don't know who that guy is. I don't know if it's Rudy or if it's Bogey or who that guy is going to be, but you're going to have to trade one of these big names on your roster to start the process of rebuilding or retooling. <laughs> I think there is a lot of value. Excuse me. I think there's a lot of value in not making a deal. Yeah. I think there's even more value in making the right deal. I understand that you really value a guy like Harrison Barnes. Right. But – Think about it, and there is a there is a scenario where, you know, let's say what do the what do the Jazz need? I think the Jazz need a quality backup center. Yep. And I think the Jazz need a, a wing defender and offensive force. Mm -hmm. That's Harrison Barnes. Right. The backup center very easily could be Rashawn Holmes. Mm -hmm. Rashawn Holmes is the guy that you hoped, by the way, um, that that you were getting this off season. Um, that Hassan Whiteside has not been. I'd rather have Rashawn Holmes, who we covered in Phoenix. Yeah. I'd rather have Rashawn Holmes than Hassan Whiteside. Yes. Now, if you want to make a deal head-to-head, -head, and I can't believe the Kings would do this, I am not saying this is a deal that will happen. But I'm not telling <laughs> you that the Kings are trading Harrison Barnes to Utah because I don't think they are. Yeah. Not at this moment. If you want to trade Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes to the Utah Jazz for Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. That trade financially works. Um, that trade, I think, makes Sacramento more of a playoff contender. And I think it answers a lot of questions for the Utah Jazz. There's not a chance in the world that the Kings are going to do that. Because I think if the Kings make a deal with the Knicks – um, for Obi Toppin and a first-round pick, um, I think that if the if the Knicks are willing to to include a, a, a different selection of of player, I don't know why. If you are the Sacramento Kings, you don't make that deal right now. Yeah, right. Like that's the thing that's amazing to me. Yeah, I look at if you're a Utah Jazz fan, names like Josh Hart, names like. Um, Tyrese Halliburton should be infuriating to you because those are guys that have real value on this Utah Jazz team. Yes. Josh Hart is a guy that I've talked about on this show repeatedly. 
as somebody I would love to see in a Jazz uniform. You're going to see him a lot because now he's <laughs> in Portland. And I, I just, this is the problem that you have as a Utah Jazz fan. And if you're Danny Ainge and, and Justin Zanuck right now, because by the way, I talked to my Jazz guy again, and he was saying that Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge are working closely together. And that, you know, there is Ryan Smith is involved to a certain extent, but Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are working well together. Mm -hmm. And they are doing everything that they can do to make a deal. And league sources told me yesterday that they were trying to make a deal almost to the point of desperation. They were trying to make a deal to improve their wing athleticism. When you hear that, and this is what I where my mind goes to about these conversations. So when you hear that, you know, hey, the Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are trying to make a deal almost to desperation. Yes. What is that? What does that say to you? Like, does that say that they they're desperate to make a deal happen for the sake of it? Does that mean that they're trying to make a deal because they're just there's such a sense of urgency to get better? Like, what do you when you hear that? What do you think of that? I think that the Utah Jazz realize they are not one of the top five teams in the NBA right now, and I think that Danny Ainge. As it's been described to me, Danny Ainge is a pragmatic thinker. He understands that there's not a trade available to him that makes this Utah Jazz team a championship contender. But then again, stranger things have happened. You just need to get into the postseason as healthy as you can be. And we're seeing now that this team has legitimate health issues. Um, but you need to get into the postseason tournament just as healthy as you can be because anything can happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we've seen that, you know, regardless of health, teams can win championships. We've seen, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo last year battling what most people thought was a season ending knee injury all the way to a championship. So you realize very quickly that if the Jazz can make a deal, and this is why I say this Harrison Barnes deal is really important, because if the Jazz can somehow, some way, end up in a trade where Harrison Barnes wears the note on his chest. If that happens, this is a dramatically different team. It injects energy and enthusiasm into this locker room. And I think one of the things that it does is it brings a ring to the locker room as in a championship ring. He has played on one of the arguably one of the best teams in the history of the NBA. Right. And so when you have that experience, which you have none of right now, none of right now, one of the things the Jazz are trying to do is remake the culture away from mediocrity into nothing short of a championship is going to suffice. So when you look at a guy like Harrison Barnes, yes, he's an upgrade on court. There's no doubt that his basketball ability is an upgrade to the Jazz. But his mentality is an upgrade to the Jazz. His professionalism is an upgrade to the Jazz. You have to learn how to win at this level. To win a championship is as much about physical ability as it is about education. And the Jazz don't know how to win. They don't know how to close. They had the Clippers on their deathbed last year and could not close. Yeah. That's what Harrison Barnes brings to you. I still believe that deal is highly unlikely. Yeah. I mean, if he if they got Harrison Barnes, this is this is now a team to 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 
to really keep an eye on. Yeah. This team's going to go as far as Don and, and Rudy take them, period. This Utah Jazz team in 2022 will go as far as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But, man, I'm telling you, if you can put Rashawn Holmes in there, because that's the guy that's really important to finish that trade. Yeah. You need Rashawn Holmes. You need that guy. I, I don't have much interest in Marvin Bagley, to be honest with you. Alex Len is a poster on a nightly basis. I'm not interested in Alex Len. Rashawn Holmes has real value in that deal. And if you want to take, because if you think about what's a win for the Jazz, bringing in a guy like Harrison Barnes with Rashawn Holmes and keeping Jordan Clarkson, that's a win, right? But you're making a deal with a team in Sacramento who's only making deals because they are trying to get into the tournament. They're trying to get into the playoff tournament, right? So they're going to want more offense. They're going to want more than bogey and not a body in Joe Ingles. And this is probably the make or break on this deal, right? Sacramento's making trades because they believe that those trades, they believe that Sabonis gives them a better chance to get into the postseason than does Tyrese Halliburton. And I think what they're doing is they're going all in on De'Aaron Fox to try and get into the postseason. Yeah. Okay, win, lose, draw, bad idea, good idea, I don't know. At least they have direction. That's what their mission is, is to get into the play-in tournament, right? So are they going to take a dead contract in Joe Ingles? Because they don't seem focused on the summer or their cap situation or they want guys that can contribute and help them get into the tournament. So I don't know that Joe Ingles' contract has a lot of value to them. Yeah. That's the thing that really stands out to yeah. me. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, again, I, I still I still think that there are teams in the league it, from a, a trade perspective that uh, can be had. And I, I think yeah. that the Kings are one of those teams. I think, you know, again, you know, making these trades, um, you know, if we get away from the X's and O's of it and, like, you know, players and if we talk about it from the perspective of just being on the phone with somebody i mean a lot of making these trades is a sales process you're 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 danny ainge you're gonna call this guy and you're gonna say hey i'm danny ainge you know let's let's figure something out here's what i'm thinking and here's my proposal to you and so i think danny ainge is very good at that but there is no getting away from the first round draft pick thing so yeah, if there if there's a Harrison Barnes deal to be made, I would love to see them make it. I just think I I agree with you 100%. I just think it's going to be really tough and and that's unfortunate, but it is the position that they're in. And so if nothing happens, okay, I won't be upset with this team. I just think that really though means that this summer you're going to see some pretty significant movement on this roster. I I just don't think there's any way around that. Yeah, and I I also think you need to monitor what, you know, the Phoenix Suns have been very quiet. And one of the things that, you know, I hear a lot about is, are the Suns just going to stand pat with what they have? I don't know the answer to that question because I I think that they definitely would love more punch off the bench, but I don't think they're going to do anything that would even risk the chemistry on that club. Yeah. Because the Phoenix Suns are very good right now. They are elite. And they need small, small tweaks, which to me doesn't scream of a trade. It screams of development in the last two months of the season. Yeah. So I think the Suns are very quiet. I think, you know, oddly enough, I think I'm a little surprised Golden State hasn't done something. Um, you know, looking at, at where they are, 
I think they're expecting Clay Thompson to improve at a very rapid pace, and I think we're seeing that now. I mean, yeah. we we talked it's about happening. this yesterday that the ball's going through the net for for Clay Thompson. Now. Well, and I and I think if you're the Warriors, you're looking at this team and you're like, you know, you're you're very much in the same boat as the Suns. I mean. Again, they they don't have the record the Suns do for obvious reasons, but uh, but again, yeah. that doesn't really matter once you get into the playoffs, you know, other than seeding purposes. You know, I think if you're the Warriors, your mindset is okay. Let's get the best seed that we can, and then um, you know, let's figure it out from there. So for the third seed or for the two seed or whatever, I mean, that really just doesn't matter all that much. However, you know, if you're looking at this roster, you're saying okay, we need to develop Kaminga as much as we possibly can before the playoffs get here. So that when the playoffs are here, he gives us that valuable 15-point, you know, couple of assists maybe type performance that really can put us over the top in, in the postseason in a, in a five or a seven gamer. And I think that the Warriors um, are going to put the, the, the three of those guys back together in Draymond, Steph, and Clay, and they're going to try and run it back. And I think, you know, Clay is obviously improving. I think they're resting the hell out of Draymond because they know they're going to need him on the back end, and and they're going to be just fine. I think I think they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I really do. I think the Suns are this year's Jazz team. I think they're playing their ass off. I think they're really good. But now they got to come and show that they can get back to the NBA Finals. And and so hey, if they're the one seed, that's all fine and dandy. But again, it's what you do in the postseason. Yeah, and I also think you got to wonder, you know, what the Jazz are going to do with Joe Ingles' minutes. I I think that's a that's a big big question. Because, you know, we've been telling you, um, you know, for several weeks now that the Jazz and Celtics have talked a lot about Marcus Smart. And I was told the other day that that deal is now dead um, because the Jazz simply don't have the, the nuts to make that deal happen. But I was also told yesterday that the Jazz are still very interested in Josh Richardson mm -hmm. and his deal is very affordable and he's he's uh, having a nice season for Boston, but the question for Boston is, what's the upside of trading Josh Richardson right now? Because you are, you're in a very advantageous position with Richardson in that he's affordable and he's contributing. Yeah. He's fit nicely into that group. And the one thing that the, the, the Boston Celtics seem to be missing is that big body, is that, that consistent performer um, in the front court. And the Jazz don't have the answer to that. Yeah. I would love to see the Jazz add either Harrison Barnes or Josh Richardson. I think both of those would be very nice pickups. But again, I think Josh Richardson's a guy, <coughs> excuse me, I think Josh Richardson's a guy that's going to be very coveted at the trade deadline. Yeah. And all of these things, and this includes Harrison Barnes, all of these teams, Sacramento, Boston, um, the Lakers, they all have options because they have assets in the physical. The Jazz don't have the physical body. They're trying to upgrade their manpower because again, I, and I think this is a, this is a very interesting question on how you replace Joe Ingles minutes. Cause right. he wasn't just a 10 minute and I guy, right? That's guy that was playing 20, 25 minutes a night, depending on the opponent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who's going to get those minutes so far. It's not been one of the other big bodies, right? I mean, I think you look at guys that are coming off the bench. It's not Elijah Hughes. It's very clearly been Trent Forrest. Yeah. But Trent Forrest has not given you the consistency from three that you had hoped for, hadn't always gotten out of Joe this year. Yeah. But Trent Forrest, I don't think, is a guy to step into that role. I think ultimately the Jazz have to shit or get off the pot on Elijah Hughes. Yeah. It is time to allow him 
to shoot consistently for you. Because when you've given him the opportunity to shoot the ball, he's done quite well. And yet, he still isn't a guy there. So let's surmise that Elijah Hughes isn't, isn't the guy Quinn wants. Who's the guy that Quinn Snyder's willing to give those minutes to? That's my biggest question. Because right now, I don't think that guy's on this roster. I don't think Quinn likes... I don't think Quinn likes anybody outside of Jordan Clarkson and Rudy Gay. Mm. And I really don't think he's that in love with, with Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Because I think he's seen that Jordan's kind of a wild card. And I think what that does is that pigeonholes Rudy Gay into playing the, the, the at times, two, three, and four position, and a lot of times five, depending on, on where you're at with Hassan Whiteside. Because mm -hmm. right now, the other question is, Rudy won't be back tonight, apparently, against Golden State. When Rudy comes back, does Doak stay as the backup center, or are you going to go back to Hassan Whiteside? Yeah, I mean, I would guess based on Quinn's you know behavior, it would go back to Hassan. I mean, that's what, what I, I would, would guess assume. because again, with 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 Doak, I just don't see him as a as a number two center in the NBA. I really don't. Um, I think that his confidence goes up when he starts, but when Rudy Gobert plays, I mean, I, obviously, <coughs> we're talking about ten minutes a night, right? You don't need – if Rudy Gobert's not on the floor at least 35 minutes, they're probably not winning games. Right. Right? I mean, you're, you're it's very difficult the way – when Rudy Gobert plays, right, when he's out of the lineup, we've seen that Donovan's a different type of player. Like, the whole thing is – the whole dynamic the is, is different. different. Yeah. When Rudy Gobert is healthy and playing, and he's playing 35, you know, obviously it's going to have to push 40 minutes at some point. Um, but when he's playing 35, 40 minutes a night, I mean, you need a five minute run out of Doker Hassan Whiteside. And I think, I think the more and more we go on the deeper and deeper we get into March and April, I think that five spots going to go to Rudy Gay unless they make a deal. Yeah. And that's why I say with like the Harrison Barnes trade, I would absolutely be asking for Rashawn Holmes. I'd be saying, Hey, can, you know, Let's go, hey, we'll give you Bogdanovich. We'll give you Joe Ingles' expiring contract in return for. Now, the question is, do the Jazz include their 2026 first-round pick? And is that enough to get it done? Because if memory serves, the Knicks are talking about trading their, their upcoming first-round pick, right? And you look, at, um, you, know, you look at the other suitors for Harrison Barnes. I mean, they have assets that the Jazz don't have. Yeah, the competition's real. So for sure, I no mean, it's, it's it. going to be fascinating to see what happens over the, I think the next 24 hours will determine success or failure at the trade deadline because the, there's a lot of names. Nobody expected Tyler Tyrese Halliburton to get moved. Mm -hmm. I think we all knew. I mean, we told you the other day before it happened, we told you yesterday morning that CJ McCallum was getting traded. Yeah. Uh, we had heard that on Monday. Um, but if you look at the names that are left, I, I just don't see right now as we sit here, that there's a home for Jeremy Grant of value to the Detroit Pistons. I don't think that there is a, there's enough move there. I mean, frankly, the other guy that's out there that's being talked about a lot is Pascal Siakam. I just don't know what his value is in, in the open market. I don't know, or I should say the trade market. He's not a free agent. I wonder what it is. And by the way, Toronto's also got the Goran Dragic contract. Mm -hmm. that's a, I think it's $19 million worth of an expiring contract. That's a huge contract that's expiring, and he's a physical, ready-to-play guy. Can bring that, value. That can bring value to yeah. you. So, 
I, I, I think Toronto's one to watch. I think Boston's one to watch. I have to believe. I have to believe they trade Marcus Smart. They have two deals in place. They could make a deal with Minnesota right now and get that done if they want to trade Marcus Smart, and I think they yeah. do. I think Malik Beasley, the question is, in the argument from what I understand, um, is what it, what are they getting in return for Malik Beasley, and are, is Marcus Smart enough? Because they also want McDaniels in that deal, and I don't – I'm sure they do. Again, I don't know why Minnesota would do that, but you add Marcus Smart – you know, at the 2-3 the in that Minnesota lineup, and all of a sudden they're a little bit different of a team. Yeah. But at what cost? And so what you're doing is you're saying, hey, Malik Beasley plus, plus what? If we're going to give you Marcus Smart. Because let's not, let's not conflate the situation. Marcus Smart has real value in this league. Marcus Smart is a gritty, determined, mentally tough guy who in pressure moments doesn't mind shooting. Now, his, his three-point shot's trash. He's still going to shoot it, <laughs> and he still believes in it. Yeah. And he's a guy that I want. He's a guy I want with his hands on the floor. I want him as a guy that's willing to play some defense. If I'm Minnesota, because Minnesota is a playoff team. Yeah. If I'm Minnesota, I want Marcus Smart on the floor for me in the postseason. I just don't know what I'm willing to, get, to, to give up to get him. And I think that's the question that the Timberwolves have to, have to answer. Well, and I think that's what a lot of teams have to answer. I think – you know, there, there are many situations, as we've been discussing, where you kind of have to decide and be on the same page about what you're willing to give up. And that's yeah. the hard part, you know, in the media. Like, we don't know what, you know, what Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge are willing to part with right now today. Now, this summer, that answer is going to be different. You know, what who, like, who the hell knows what, <clears throat> you know, what, uh, what Minnesota is willing to part with, you know? I agree with you. I wouldn't be trading my young guys, but... You know, if that's what it takes and and you believe you can make an NBA Finals run or a deep playoff run right now with the roster you have, then then go ahead and do it. You know, like, what do you say? So I just think that depending on the situation, they, they value different players at a different level, and that's ultimately what decides what gets done. Yeah, and I, I just think that it is going to be – it is going to be interesting to see exactly what um, – as I as, – as I, I apologize. I am – Breaking a major uh, rule of engagement on the show. Um, You're casual. I'm messaging back and forth with um, who? With somebody of note. So I'm just trying to figure out like how how close can the the Jazz get to making a a uh, Harrison Barnes deal? I mean, again, it just depends on what you know. Like, <clears throat> first of all, it depends on how willing the Kings are to have the conversation. So obviously, the Jazz are what we call a finalist to, you know, get involved in a Harrison Barnes situation, mm -hmm. meaning they're like one of the one of the deals that the, the Kings are considering. But the first round pick thing I think is a big hurdle. I think if I if I'm the Kings, I'm not I'm not even, you know, humoring a Harrison Barnes deal without a first round pick. But But am I maybe, am I am I humoring a deal for a pick that's four years down the street? I'm not. No. So, you know, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. It, it's really tough. I I, I think that can the Jazz get it done? Yeah, they could get it done, but it's going to have to take one hell of a sales job by Danny Ainge. And here's the other the other thing, not to be redundant, because I think I said this before, but can you include Jordan Clarkson as a as a topper on a deal? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you could, but obviously the money has to but work properly. But at what cost? Because if you trade for Harrison Barnes, he's one of your top five guys. Right, yeah. He's, right? He, and he's experienced, and he would be experienced to – other teams like the Jazz or whatever team that you're looking at because of his postseason experience. So again, 
for the Kings to make a Harrison Barnes deal, they have to get somebody who can be in that spot. Yes. Right? Yes. So let's surmise that that's Boyan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. As we've been told, the Jazz are freely offering Boyan Bogdanovich in trade. Right. So if you, let's say one-to-one, Harrison Barnes, Boyan Bogdanovich, I don't think there's anybody on this show or listening to this show who wouldn't jump up and down in peaceful and happiness to make that deal. Right. We'd all love to make that deal today right now. Right. Only problem is the Kings will make that deal. Okay, so what am I going to have to include? Okay, what, what do the Jazz have to offer the Sacramento Kings? Okay, well, here's Joe's $13 million expiring contract, right? Okay. But I don't have a, a, a near-term first-round pick I can put in that deal, right? I don't have a near-term second-round pick I can put in that deal. So let me offer Jordan Clarkson. Because they're not going to take Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is of very little value to the Sacramento Kings. Right. They have that guy in repetition. So my question is, if you were to include a guy like Jordan Clarkson in that deal, mm -hmm. I think it makes the deal untenable for the Jazz because I can plug in Harrison Barnes. I can plug in Rashawn Holmes. But who's going to replace the value that Jordan Clarkson has to this Jazz team. Well, what value has he brought this season? Because he has not been good this year. Well, I agree that his his shot percentage has not been good. But I think it's more than just, like, the shot percentage hasn't been good. But what have we also heard? We've heard that, you know, as part of the Rudy conversations earlier this week and, and late last week, when we told you that, you know, Rudy is a guy who wants to call it his teammates, Jordan Clarkson has been the poster child for that, right? Hey, Jordan Clarkson and, and, and Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell – um, and I think we reported this first. There's, there is absolutely, there is absolutely friction in the jazz locker room. There is no doubt about that. Do they hate each other? They don't, but it is uncomfortable between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And I think that Jordan Clarkson is the second guy that Rudy Gobert complains about. And when, when I look at, when I look at Jordan Clarkson's numbers, this is a guy that, that gives you. Every game. He, he's, the, he's there 75, 80 games a year. He gives you, this year his numbers are off, I would agree. He's giving you 15 and a half points a game, right? He's giving you three and a half rebounds, two and a half dimes. Like, he's a contributor. This is the reigning sixth man of the year who stepped back a little bit, and he's still giving you 15 and a half points. The problem is he also turns the ball over quite a bit. Yeah. He is good for two turnovers a game. And his three ball is a little bit erratic. When he's on, he's great. When he's off, he's horrendous. But I just ask you again, who are you going to replace that production with? Because you're not playing Elijah, not playing Jared Butler. You're, you're hesitantly playing Trent Forrest. I don't see that you can trade both Bogey and Jordan Clarkson. I think, they're, I think Jordan Clarkson has real value to this team yeah. because he brings you energy in, in good and bad. He brings you energy, but he also brings you 15 and a half points a game off the bench. Yeah. And he's also, by the way, I would also surmise, in summary on Jordan Clarkson, he's also going to the basket a hell of a lot more right now. And some of that is where the turnovers are coming from because he is not an adept guy when he picks the ball up. But I think a lot of his turnovers are mental. Yeah. I think he just relaxes and gets lackadaisical. But my point is, Jordan Clarkson has real value to this team. 
Yeah, I so, can see it both ways. I can see it both ways. I could see why the Jazz would want to move him and include him in a deal. I also see what you're saying, that he does have value, the 15 points tonight off the bench. I get that. But I also think that, you know, his his contribution could be replaced by them playing better basketball, meaning them running better offense, you know, moving the ball more, getting better looks. Like, I think it's been a real struggle for this team to score consistently over the course of this season. Um, so we'll see. I think there's a lot of possibilities. All right, let's get some of your comments in here. Um you, there are a lot of you commenting. I really appreciate you guys being here every day. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we could not cough on the microphone without you on a daily basis. Screw you in that coughing drop. Um, Edgar Garcia wants to talk about Trevor Bauer. We're going to do that in five minutes. Tanner Plummer says, hey, guys. Hey, guys. I love the new drop, Jake. Guys, 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 guys. Where's hey it guys. from? Yeah, it's Trevor Bauer. Where's it from? It's Trevor Bauer. It's Trevor Bauer. Play it again. It's Trevor Bauer. Hey, guys. You got to turn that up a little bit, hey guys. My, man. my man. We may have to adjust that. But. Hey, guys. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, can't wait for the new shirts to drop. Wanting a medium. Waiting for a medium. You already got that. Don't worry about it. Then going to order another one. Appreciate that. What's up, guys? What time are you planning? Giggity says to do shows in L.A. Uh, it'll be same time. It'll be 630 Mountain. We're going to get up very early. It's going to be fun. I don't think so. And Garcia says they screwed up big time doing the Conley favors trade. Danny has his work cut out for him. He does. He does. But Danny and Justin Zanuck have their work cut out. Ultimately, ultimately the tree is, is pretty clearly laid out. Like Ryan Smith, Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, support staff. So Danny's got the final say. If there's a deal to be had, my guess is Danny Ainge will do it. Yeah. Um, Tanner says, in my opinion, the Kings basically destroyed their rebuilding process. They're pretty much starting over. I don't think they are. Nah. I think the Kings want to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to stop going young, and they're going to start going older. I think they would love to remake the Mike Bibby, Chris Webber era in Sacramento and build around veteran players. And I think DeMontis Sabonis is a guy that they feel like is 25 years old. Um, will you look that up for me real quick? I think Sabonis is 25 years old. Um and he's a guy that they feel like can be the center of their of their franchise, and literally the center. Figuratively, yeah, see, see what he the did center. there. See, see what he did there. Yeah, yeah, center and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he's twenty five years old, and he's a guy that I, I think a lot of people. I heard one of the local. Yeah, he's twenty five years old. Yeah, one of the local jazz beat writers said that he is an older player. Demontis Sabonis is not an old player. He's not an older player. He's twenty five years old. He's been in the league five years. He played at Gonzaga. Like he, he's a guy that you can build around because he's multifaceted. Dude, he's 25 years old, 6'11", 240. Like, the guy can play. The guy can absolutely play. So I I think they're going to build older, not younger anymore. J Jeremy Bolton, what's up? Good morning, buddy. He says, so with all these moves Portland is doing, is Dame going to stay put or is he gone? No, I think, they're, I think they're ready to take one more run with Damian Lillard. I think that's why he will not play again this year. That's why he had the surgery. He's 31, but essentially he's going to have a year off after playing in the, the playoffs. And, I mean, don't forget, this is a team, I think, that's made the playoffs nine straight years. Bro, how many how many guys who played in the Olympics are hurt? Oh, man. And I think Damian needed the rest. I think this has worked out very well for Dame's career. So, no, I think they're going to build and take one more year. Mr. E says Danny Ainge got very bad heritage from Dennis Lindsay, and I don't think the Jazz fans realize that. He he was he was left with a bag of of crap on the yeah, front porch. Correct. I mean, he does not have a lot of assets. Jeremy Bolton says Greg Odom has played <laughs> more games in the NBA than Zion. Zion Williamson's a joke at this point. Yeah, 
And again, I'll just go back, and I know a lot of you hate when I do this. I told you so on Zion Williamson. Yeah. I've been saying this back been, to I've, I've back been a to the guy since the draft. Dude. Back to the shitty radio station in Phoenix. We were telling you <laughs> Zion Williamson at his body type, at his the way he is physically built, it will be very difficult for him to stay healthy. I think when he's played, he's shown that he can be a number one guy, but he's got to make more three pointers and he's got to lose weight. And I just don't know that he has the 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 physical and physiological ability to lose weight because he is a big dude in those knees and ankles and feet. What has he had issues with his knees and his feet? Because he's a big guy that likes to play up in the air. That is not a recipe to stay healthy in the NBA. It's just not. And I don't buy for a second that he's under three bills. I, I really don't. As of December 8th of 2021, the rumored number was 317. Yeah, I just yeah. At six six, you're three seventeen. And they're selling him at two sixty five. Yeah, well, no, that's where he needs to play at. <laughs> There's no way he's two sixty five. There ain't a chance in the world. Not a and chance. He dog. had lost a bunch of weight in his rookie season. Yeah. And now, I mean, he just I I yeah I don't know that that ever works out. Greg Hawkins, what is up? Uh, Tanner Plummer says, Hey, Greg. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. E says, but if we don't have leverage now, why would we have leverage in the off season? Because the appetite for restructuring in the off season is far more. Yeah. You don't make a Rudy Gobert trade in the middle of the season. You make that in the summer. It's like the Ben Simmons, James Harden situation. A lot of people, there was, there's definitely been some momentum building towards Harden being traded at the deadline, but, but most people think it's going to happen in the summer because that's a huge deal that, you know, takes a lot of detail work and there's a lot that goes into it. But Steve Nash said something that was really interesting. He said the other day, James Harden will not be traded. Then he said yesterday, we need to focus on what's going to happen after Thursday. Which is a very different answer than James won't be traded. And I just... I think there's I I I think there's I a think chance it's better than fifty percent. I I think I think it's like sixty sixty five percent. He'll get traded. That's yeah, I my think opinion. there's a chance. Um, James Knight, I don't understand what you mean. The Jazz have a ring suff ring in Whiteside. Okay, uh, Olivier uh, Roots says there's a rumor about Josh Richardson getting traded to the Jazz. What's your take on this? Uh, sorry if you already mentioned it. Well, no, it's cool. I, I, I mean, listen, we've been talking about the Jazz and the Celtics making a trade for going on three weeks now. And they had very serious talks about Marcus Smart. But when those rumors got out that the Jazz were talking to the Celtics about Marcus Smart, several other teams went to Boston and inquired. And that's what happens. And that's how this Minnesota thing – Minnesota and Boston have been talking about a trade for months. Yeah. So – None of this stuff just happens overnight. A lot of these trades that are happening now for the deadline have been talked about since last summer. Hey, let's talk about it later. Let's, And you have to understand that there are relationships that, that are in place in the NBA and that very rarely can Danny Ainge call another general manager at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and be like, hey, you know, we got two hours. You, you want to make a deal? What do, you, what do you have? What are you willing – it doesn't work that way. Yeah, These conversations have been going on for months, and these relationships are, are years and years and years old. So, I mean, if you think about Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge, that's a, that's, a, that's a teenage college year relationship. 
So that's exactly how relationships and trades get done because guys know guys for years. So my guess is that Danny Ainge knows what deal he's going to make. And, and there are deals that are done right now that you don't know about. And I'm telling you, they're going to, today is going to be, in my opinion, today is going to be a very active day. Today is going to be a very active day. The, the, today's the day where you get a Jeremy Grant trade, if that's to happen. Yeah. Today's the day where the Washington Wizards, <coughs> excuse me, man with this cough. <coughs> today's the day where the Washington Wizards wind up unloading a Montrez Harrell, a, a Dinwiddie. Um, you know, and, and I, I think those are deals that the Jazz need to be a third team on. That's how you wind up with Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Is you 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 figure out a creative way to get the Kings what they need so that you end up with Harrison Barnes. So I, I think that I think that, that those are the kind of deals that will happen today. Blockbusters take weeks to build. Weeks and weeks to build. James Harden and Ben Simmons have been talked about for weeks now. Yeah. They're just trying to play. You know, right now, you you also have major blockbuster deals like Simmons and, and Harden where you have two general managers that are playing chicken. Yeah. Because I think Bobby Marks wants that deal to get done. If I'm the, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I want that deal to get done. Yeah, I think it has to get done. I, I just don't – I don't know how, if you are the Brooklyn Nets, you can any longer count on James Harden to be part of the solution. Right. Because one, he doesn't play enough, and two, you need a guy that'll be there for the last twenty games of the year, night in and night out. Kyrie's not that guy. KD's not that guy. James Harden's not that guy. Ben Simmons could be that guy. And when Ben Simmons gets healthy or gets acquired, all of a sudden Kevin Durant's knee feels a little bit better. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Right, and I mean, it just invigorates the roster. And then I think you also have buyout season that's going to be significant this year because there's a lot of people who believe if the Lakers are unable to trade Russell Westbrook, who I still think is his best option is Houston in a buyout, yeah. that the Lakers are going to try and buy him out because they've benched him three times now. Yeah. They have to do something about it. Yeah. They can't just continue to go down yeah. this path. And Garcy says, Quinn has to go. I have no, I have one name for you. He has history with Danny as a player and as an assistant coach, and he's definitely paid his dues, Sam Cassell. Um, you know what? I've heard a lot of people bring up Sam Cassell as a head coach. And I think eventually, I just don't know that stylistically, I'm curious what he would bring. I'm curious what he would bring. A rookie first time coach doesn't strike me as the right decision on this roster. It really does not. I mean, I, I would much more guess that you would get a veteran coach. And I don't know. I don't even know who that would be at this point. Yeah. Um, but that's but, why I say that's a summer conversation. I mean, that, yes. like you know, like that's you're that's not, not doing that not, now. That's not even on the radar right now. You know. Yeah, you're, and and this is like again, this is Billy Donovan to the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, he was the right guy at the right time. I think you need to make that move in the summer. They are not changing coaches Listen, now. The, the Jazz have a plan. Let's be really clear. The Jazz have a plan and an understanding about what they want to do in the next eighteen months with this roster. And Absolutely. I would guess the head coach is part of that conversation. And I think that, 
Because you, you have to think about this. It's not like the Jazz, and specifically Danny Ainge, can just go to people and be like, hey, come be our head coach. Everything's fine and dandy here, right? I mean, the conversations are way deeper than that. The head coaching candidate is going to consider everything to consider. Like, hey, what's the location? Is this good for my family? Do I like the situation you guys are in? Do I like the plan to get better? Do I want to coach Donovan Mitchell? Is Donovan Mitchell coachable? Like, these are all things that, that a head coaching candidate would slash should consider. And so I think right now the the move or, or frankly, the lack of moves that you would make at the deadline, number one, are going to affect that decision. Number two, the, the, um, the, the plan heading into the summer about, you know, specifically with, you know, Rudy, Rudy Gobert and this roster and what you plan to do to, to figure out how to make all this work together is also going to contribute to who you're able to hire as a head coach, right? Remember, remember the D'Antoni years, specifically in Houston, specifically with the Suns. What was D'Antoni known for? Being an offensive guy, get up and down, shoot early in the shot clock, right? So he's not a fit for a team that wants to play slow, 22-second basketball, right? I would agree. So, so that's why I say your plan and how you're going to go about things here in, in, in Salt Lake or in Utah is definitely going to affect the candidates that you can you can go and get. And we need to make sure that we understand that because you can't just go out and get anybody. Yeah, and again, um, I think Sean Marks is a very – I think I said Bobby Marks. Sean Marks is a very savvy guy. I mean, he's, he's the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets. That's a team, and you have to understand what the standings are in the East. And and I think it's interesting. You look at the Celtics. I think this is why Malik Beasley is such an important figure in any Minnesota trade. I think that's why when you look at where Marcus Smart may potentially be landing, you've got to get assets in return, and you've got to get guys that can contribute right now, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think that the Jazz are out on Marcus Smart because, as I, I said yesterday – I was told that deal's dead because the Jazz just don't have something to offer. Their best asset is probably a Joe Ingles contract, and that's not of value to somebody like Boston who, you know, for all intent and purposes, is is what a game out, um, two games out of the fifth spot in the East. And that's the other thing. I mean, if you're any of these teams, you know, not including the Jazz, like if you're any of these teams, you the last thing you want to do is make a deal that's going to mess up what you already have going. I yeah. mean, that's the yes. worst-case scenario to – to ruin a vibe like like what you were saying with the Suns. So, you know, again, the Nets are the Nets, you know, the Lakers, any of these best teams in the league that are struggling right now, they just understand they got to get in. You know, just get into the tournament, get into the postseason, and and you know, go from there. That's what it is for a lot of these teams. So I I yeah, I think the conversation around not messing up what you already have is real for most of these teams. Well, and it, again, I think this goes back to Washington. Washington is is a game and a half out of a playoff spot, but I think they realize making the playoffs might not be their best path forward. And now with Brad Beal. Hey, uh, his I, name is Bradley. My bad. Uh, now with uh, the Brad Master Flash out of the lineup in Washington with wrist surgery for the rest of the year, I think I think it is inevitable that that team has to make a significant deal at the deadline. Yeah. Um. I think you need Dinwiddie and and you know really I I, I think Montrez Harrell is a guy that has a lot of value to playoff teams. I mean, if you look at if you look around just in the East, I mean, how many teams in in the top six spots in the East need a big? Yeah, I mean, if you think about Miami, uh, probably not with Bam Adebayo, but if you look at the Bulls, you look at the Bucks. Certainly, with Brooke Lopez's situation, 
Um, you look at the you know the the Boston Celtics who are in the seventh spot, tied for the sixth spot with Toronto. You know, like Toronto's another team. Should Toronto be a buyer or seller right now? Yeah, it's a great you know, question. That, that to, and when you have a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who the franchise is, that's your guy. Trading a guy like Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, those are huge decisions because you're, you're, a, you're a top six team in the East. But what does that really mean? Are you a championship contender? Pascal Siakam is one of the most frustrating talents in the NBA because you rarely get the top 25% of his ability on the floor yeah. for the Raptors. Yeah. So if you send him like the Miami Heat supposedly are one of the teams interested in Pascal Siakam, if I'm the Raptors, am I trading Pascal Siakam to the Miami Heat? Probably not because you're going to run into that guy in the playoffs for the next five years. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's, True. that's the hard part. If you are anybody in the East, are you trading with the number one team in Miami who's trying to get better? Are you trading with – who is the team in the East that's going to trade a center to the Chicago Bulls and make them a legitimate contender to win the East? <laughs> because the yeah. Bulls are uh, – the Bulls, with all of their injuries, are a big man short of really being a solid – Montrez Harrell is a Chicago Bull. You can let Vucevic start. You can play him 30 minutes a night. Montrez Harrell can absolutely give you 18 minutes a night. Right. He makes the Chicago Bulls. John Collins is a guy that's been linked to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, if John Collins winds up with the Chicago Bulls, it's over. Yeah. I think that's, to me, those are the questions you have to ask yourself. Like, look at Atlanta's decline has been steep. Right. Like, this is a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Mm -hmm. And I think they're they're 10th in the East, two games yeah, under 500. Man. Struggle bus. But they're four out of the fifth spot. You know, like it. So there's a lot of conversation to go on around that. Yeah. But I, I think these, I think these conversations are huge. All right, let's wrap up with some of your comments. Um, Olivier Roots says Jingles minutes should go to Pascal. Uh, to Pascal, I think you can give Eric Pascal some of Joe's minutes, but he's limited in what you need in that role. I would tell you that I would play Pascal or God dog it, Eric Pascal. Far more than I would than I would be playing uh, Royce O'Neal. Right. Those are the minutes I would take away. I'd take away Royce's minutes and give them to Eric Pascal. I have no doubt about that. Brylark says the Jazz uh, hang on to these players too long. They need to get them in, determine if they're good enough to develop and play, and if they are not, they need to trade them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Tyler P says realistically, the Jazz will end up with Gary Harris and re-sign House. Well. Daniel House is an interesting guy right now because he's not under contract. And he's a guy that I think is kind of twisting in the wind here. I know the Jazz would like to have him. Yeah, I like him a lot. But if you sign him for the rest of the season, mm -hmm. that kind of hurts you at the trade deadline. So it takes a little flexibility away. But if you're just going to let him twist in the wind – He's a guy that's got value. He's played very well for the Jazz. You can't tell me there's not another team out there willing to give him a deal for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. So you're playing a dangerous game with House, and I, I think it's, I think ultimately he's going to have to make a decision. Uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think that's a good point. I really think that's a that's a good point. Uh, C. Sheever says I think you should get T-shirts that say at the end of the day. I probably should. I say that a lot. Yeah. And Garcia says the Jazz remind me of the early 2000 Raiders, overpaying a bunch of old talent, thinking they could actually win a championship. Ultimately, they will end up 
in limbo for decades? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, you know, it is what it is. Av Lee says, I think Clarkson is an asset to keep just someone uh, needs to tame him. Replace Gobert, get three pieces, preferably young, uh, long athletic players. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. What happens if Joe isn't traded? Would the Jazz bring him back? I I don't know. Um, Again, a summer conversation. I, James I think Knight, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> he is going to be here in Utah. Um, I heard him on the TV broadcast the other night talking about his rehab. And so I think it's definitely a possibility. I just, you have to see what he comes out as. What does he come out as a player after the knee? Yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh, Cody Strickland says, Mike Conley, Bogey, and JC for Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Eric and Raleigh says, uh, no team is taking the albatross of a contract that Gobert has. Let's talk about that in the summer. Way. Yeah. Find what do you guys think about the Warriors versus the Jazz tonight? I think that it's going to be a good game. I, think I do that, too. I think small ball lineup in full effect is what I think. Yeah, I th I think I mean I want to say that the 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 Jazz are going to, you know, compete in this game and it's going to be a really tight game all the way down to the end, but I have a feeling you know, I just have a feeling that the Warriors are a little bit too athletic and they shoot the three ball at a high percentage. So that's always tough. If they're playing if the Warriors are playing their best basketball, they're better than the Jazz. If the Warriors are shooting, you know, 30% from three, then the Jazz got a pretty good shot to win the game. Yeah, I agree. Ethan says, what can Utah trade to get Harrison? I don't know. Because, again, you have a team in Sacramento that's trying to solidify a playoff spot. Yep. And if you look at those standings in the West, um, you know, the Kings currently sit three games off the New Orleans Pelicans, who just got C.J. McCallum. You know, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Really, the team you got to wonder about is the LA Lakers because I don't, I don't know that they can stay in the playoff spot. Yeah, if they continue it's to go the good. way they're going, it is not good. I mean, they've lost six of ten. I yeah. mean, it, it it is really ugly. Um, you know, they are. That's a team that is. You know, if you look, what what are you five ahead of Portland? Um, five and a half ahead of the Spurs, like. I mean, the, the Kings are trying to win games, as many games as they can. So. It's amazing to me how much a LeBron James-led team in the Lakers is struggling. I, I'm not sure that we've ever seen this on one of his teams before. Yeah. You know, I just – it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. All right. <laughs> Let's switch gears and get to Trevor Bauer uh, because I think this is a hugely important conversation. Um, Trevor Bauer, you know, was accused of a heinous sexual assault. Um, by a by a woman that is now identified as a San Diego Padres fan. Um, and we talked about this. Trevor Bauer and her hooked up on Instagram. Trevor Bauer talked about this. Um, Trevor Bauer criticized himself. He said, I made terrible decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but the story that we were told is Trevor Bauer and this woman met up for sex twice at Trevor Bauer's Pasadena home. According to the woman and her attorney, he savagely beat, choked, and sodomized her. Um, and there were all kinds of accusations about grotesque sexual acts. Well, the woman started the process by trying, <coughs> damn it, trying to get one of the most difficult restraining orders to get a lifetime thousand yard ban on Trevor Bauer coming in contact with her. This is where it started to unravel for the accuser in this case. She went to court. She was roundly denied the restraining order. And when I say roundly, 
it is rare in a, in a restraining order situation where a woman is asking for a lifetime restraining order against a man who she's accusing of a heinous sexual assault. It is rare that a judge in family court will admonish a female accuser. It is almost unheard of. Based on the evidence, the judge not only denied her request for the restraining order, he admonished the accuser, this woman accusing Trevor Bauer, he admonished her in court and essentially put her case on, on death's bed because the evidence does not support the accusations. Now, again, not to say I told you so or whatever, but when we and we had a huge fight about this on the show, right. you may remember this. Yeah, it was it was epic. I don't. I have never believed the evidence that was in this this affidavit from the woman, and it's all public. The thing that really struck me as odd are the photos that came out. I mean, it looks like this woman was severely attacked and beaten in these pictures, right? And Trevor Bauer and his attorneys have from day one wholly denied all of these accusations. And it just never sat with me well mm. that Trevor Bauer, no matter what you think of him as a as a as a a ball player or a human being, no matter what you think of him, when you have savagely brutalized a woman as he was accused of doing, do you come out and roundly deny that? Most guys would not. Most guys would just be like, no comment, you know, like, hey, my attorneys. Trevor Bauer has roundly and strongly and passionately denied this. Right. So then the news comes out after she loses the, the request for a restraining order. Now, authorities and prosecutors in Los Angeles will not press charges or bring any charges in this case. It is over. So yesterday, Trevor Bauer got on Instagram and YouTube and said this. I had consensual sex with this woman on two occasions uh, at my residence in Pasadena, during which uh, we engaged in rough sex. Um, this is something that she brought up. You know, we discussed it together and both agreed to engage in. Uh, we, we established rules and boundaries and I followed them. Um, on both occasions, she consented beforehand when we established those boundaries, she also repeatedly consented during sex when I asked her multiple times if she was enjoying herself and if she wanted to continue. And in fact, she continued to direct me as to what she wanted in no uncertain terms. After we finished on both occasions, we talked briefly, joked around, laughed, and went to sleep. Following our second sexual encounter. We also showered separately, I might add, and without assistance uh, before going to sleep. And she chose to stay the night both times and left the following day without any incident or concern. Uh, and when she left, she certainly did not look anything like the photos that were later attached to her family court declaration and circulated by her lawyers to the media. Wow. Trevor Bauer sat in front of a camera, not with his lawyers hanging around. Yeah. He sat in a, in front of a camera in his own facility 
and recorded that video. I don't believe it was scripted. You, if you watch the video on YouTube, it's on my Twitter feed, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. I believe Trevor Bauer. I've believed that the evidence supports Trevor Bauer the entire time. And the thing that is so striking about this case is Trevor Bauer will always be the guy that beat the hell out of that woman. He will always be a freak. He will never get away from this. And the scariest part of this is that I believe what happened was, based on what he said and what the evidence is and how the court and the prosecutors have have acted, I've read the affidavit, it's online. Right. I believe what happened was this woman was a Padre fan. And she, she DM'd Trevor Bauer and he decided he wanted to have sex with this woman. She went to him and said, hey, let's do this and that. They talked about it. And I think that she enjoyed it the first time to the point where she texted with him. They showered. They slept together that night. They stayed in bed and slept next to each other. She came back again for a second occasion. Pretty much the same thing happened. And and I think either she got embarrassed. It can only be one of a couple of things. She got embarrassed. She also has had relations by reports with other ballplayers. Yeah. I think she got humiliated or embarrassed or called out or something happened. Or she saw an opportunity to take down, I think, the best pitcher or one of the best pitchers in the L.A. Dodgers rotation. And I think she made up. In my opinion, she made up a whole bunch of accusations. The things that she accused him of doing. Yeah. Putting things in certain orifices in her body. Like raping her, sexually assaulting her, physically abusing her. To hear Trevor Bauer say so adamantly before, during, and after she consented and I asked her permission and checked on her and asked her and repeatedly said to her, hey, is this what you want? Are you enjoying this? To the point where she claims, hey, I was out cold. But he's checking in with her. Like, I just don't believe anything that this woman says. Yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, you know, based on what's happened, you have to side with Trevor. I mean, you know, I, I think in these kind of situations, you know, when a district attorney's office says they're not going to press charges, there's a reason for that. You the know? Fa- a family court judge does not act the way that that judge acted. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's when you knew this was over. Yeah. And I, and I just think generally speaking, like, you know, most of the time in these situations, we're accustomed to it being true and the athlete being a complete, you know, D bag, if you will, and being this horrible human being. And I'm not saying that Trevor is, is, you know, uh, this, the best human we've ever met, but there's a big difference between being, you know, you know, not the best guy and being a rapist. I mean, that's two different things, you know, and, and, but this doesn't make Trevor Bauer a bad guy. Does it make him a sexual I deviant? It, I think it makes him look like an idiot. That's what it makes him. Uh, well, look like. what I think it makes it look like is Trevor Bauer is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't date a woman. And again, there are reports. I don't know what's true and what's not true on this particular detail that she's had sex with me, with ball players. 
that she is. And there are women who do that. There are men who do that, I'm sure. I don't know. But she is she has had relationships with other ball players. She lives in San Diego. Mike Clevenger is is a guy that she's had relationships with. Him and Bauer are very close. Like I'm telling you now, he made some really stupid choices here. Yeah. But I don't believe in any way, shape, or form he raped her. I don't believe he sexually assaulted her. I don't believe he battered her. I think Trevor Bauer is guilty of one thing, not being real intelligent. Yeah. And I think Trevor Bauer is, if you want to call him a sexual deviant, you may judge him that way. I don't. Right. Everybody's got their their spice of life when it comes to the bedroom, right? Yeah. What I'm telling you is, I don't believe that Trevor Bauer should be disciplined, not a penny, by Major League Baseball. He's already missed an entire postseason because of this. Because of allegations that we now know are completely false. He's missed an entire playoff run with the L.A. Dodgers. That's punishment. If I'm Trevor Bauer, I'm probably letting this go. It's over now. I'm out of it. But if I'm Trevor Bauer, I've got to think seriously about going after this woman legally because she wrecked his legacy. I I mean, there's no two ways about that, right? Like he missed for a Major League Baseball player, especially a pitcher. Do you know how meaningful those innings are? Do you know, like, the the damage she did to Trevor Bauer's career? Now, he has some culpability for that. But do you understand the damage that these false allegations did to his career? Do you understand that he'll never get away from this? He likely, in my opinion, will never pitch for the Dodgers again. Mm, I, don't I don't know about that. I don't. How, but how do you bring him back? Because he's innocent. He is not getting charged with anything. Like yeah. uh, what, what? Like you can't have it like in this situation. Not that I'm saying you're trying to have it both ways, but it can't go both ways. Like you can't be, it can't. Like yes, I agree that he's going. Like this is going to take some time for people to, you know, f- forget about or like let go or you know get over. Yes. Basically, it's going to take some time. But but it's not. He's he's. They're not pressing charges. He's not getting in trouble. Like he's he again. You're to your point. The biggest thing that people are going to think about Trevor Bauer is that he's an idiot, that he made bad decisions, that he, 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 yeah, sure. Okay. He's a sexual deviant, I guess. I even think that's strong based on this situation. Like we don't even like, we don't even know precisely what they did and didn't do. We know what the allegations were, but we don't know precisely what they actually did. So I just think I, I, my opinion is I do think he'll pitch for the Dodgers again. I, I think he's in the clear on this. I don't think he should go after illegally because I think I would just put it in my past. It's over. And I would just, I like, I would just let her ride off into the sunset, if you will, and move on, dude. But you know, the other conversation that came out of this, and it's one I see in the comments is if you are somebody, and it doesn't matter what your net worth is or what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. If you're going to engage in that kind of activity, you better record it. And it's really unfortunate that that's the conversation we're having. Yeah. That you better record or you better have some way to to rock solid evidence that says, hey, this is consensual. And if you're Trevor Bauer, if you're a multi-million dollar pitcher for the LA Dodgers and you're you're having casual sex... You better, you better record it. Yeah. I, I, it is really sad that that's where we're at, but that's the responsibility you have as these athletes, bro. Yeah. I mean, it just is. 
Um, let's see. Gabe Ledley says, there's a lot of comments on this. Appreciate you guys interacting with us. Trevor Bauer is guilty of being a freak. That's it. And the courts have backed him up on that. Yeah. Um, Gabe also said, uh, look, Trevor Bauer is a weirdo and has a very punchable face. There is no evidence showing, um, her sexually assaulted this, that he sexually assaulted this woman. If there was, he'd be facing charges and or be behind bars. Dave Chappelle made the love contract skit in 2004, and it's a thousand percent still relevant and necessary today. It really is like, it is unfortunate that these are the conversations we have to have. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, and Garcia says rough sex can be well rough. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, I believe Trevor Bauer. Uh, Eric and Rowley says, uh, Bauer is getting done like Deshaun Watson. Well, I think Deshaun Watson's on a whole nother level of stupidity. Mm. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Brylark says, once this text messages came out, she was toast. It was obvious what this was. I agree with that. Tyler P says, that's because people believe people are guilty no matter what these days. Totally agree. And Garcy says, money grab. Greg Hawkins says MLB shouldn't even suspend him. I agree with that. Uh, Michael Burton says these days people who want to have casual sex should record on their phones the consent. Yeah, casual. Yeah, truth. Uh, Brylark says the sad thing is Trevor Bauer will always be labeled as a sex offender now regardless of the outcome. Nobody cares about the outcome. They only care about the incident. I don't – yeah, I don't know about that. I I have a little bit of trouble with that concept. I think – I think that because the courts, you know, laughed her out, and, and this the story, it's a very public situation. Yeah. I mean, this is not like, yeah, this is not like, you know, he paid her a settlement or something. I mean, this is a public, hey, you know, there's no evidence here. Bauer is innocent. Like, I'm not so sure that people are going to think he's a, a, you know, a sex offender. That's a very strong thing to believe about someone. But we judge people for what their sexual tendencies are. I think are. what I judge Bauer on is being an absolute moron and thinking that that he <laughs> he can just do whatever the hell he wants. I mean, you, you can't... Like, here's the thing. I'm not going to feel sorry for people, athletes, the Jeff Bezos people of the world. I don't feel sorry for Bill Gates for trying to screw an intern at Microsoft. I'm, no, I don't I'm feel not, sorry for I don't for feel him. sorry for you, dude. You're an idiot. <laughs> but see, I, I love Jeff Bezos and his actions in this area. Okay, you're trying to blackmail me? Okay, here are all the pictures released to the media. Great. Oh, and you're going to do what now? I'm going to out you for trying to blackmail me, right? Like, when you – the, the sad thing is when you have money, you can you can deal differently. You can operate differently. Yeah. You know, but I think Jared Jensen makes the best point. Trevor was just – Craven Moorhead. Hey. Let's give him a break. Yeah. See, it's the Craven Moore. It's <sighs> anyway, cas- yeah, casual. Yeah. Casual says his career is in a bad spot for sure. No, see, I don't think it is. See, again, we need to talk about this. If he, if he came out guilty of this, his career would be over. Yes. He's not coming out guilty. He's coming out. Uh, 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 like I almost feel like on a high horse with this whole thing. He's saying, I told you so. He's saying, the media created a narrative that wasn't true. He's saying, hey, I didn't do anything wrong here. And he's going to come out whenever Major League Baseball and the players decide to get a, a bargaining agreement done. He's yeah. going to come out in spring training and, and and do his thing. I firmly believe that. 
Yeah, and I, I, I just think I go back to the judgment we all have on sex in this society. We judge people for being gay, straight. We judge people for, you know, their propensities to fetishes. So he's a foot fetish guy. He's a this, fe he's a that. Like we identify ourselves as, as an ass man. Like, we, <laughs> well, but seriously, we have, ju we judge people for sex. Yeah. When frankly, in my opinion, I just don't care what you're into. What, whatever your predilections sexually are, I don't care. Right. Right. As long as you're not actually punching a woman in the face, choking her out to unconsciousness and then raping her and putting things in her body. Okay. That's a little too much. You should probably Just go so to, you can go to pound town. You should probably go to jail for that. Thankfully, Trevor Bauer didn't do that here. I believe Trevor Bauer. I side with Trevor Bauer here. And I think that I think his career, he will never have another endorsement. Yeah. He will he he will lose millions of dollars in marketing money, and for what? Yeah. And for what? For and, for two nights of apparently great sex. And if, if I'm Trevor Bauer's agent, I'm trying to find every every attorney who defends guys like Trevor Bauer to do an endorsement deal, because that, I mean it's over with like Nike. It's over with any of the major baseball sponsors. Like it's over. Yeah. He'll never he'll never he'll never work again. Out uh, in 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 the marketing department, he he will he will never work again. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler P says, I mean, Ray Lewis killed someone. Well, he was never accused of killing somebody, by the way. This is one of the and this is the exact point on Trevor Bauer. Right. You realize that Ray Lewis was never accused of murder, right? He was no, he never just somebody though accused of murder. Ray Lewis was never accused of murder. Right. Never. Not once has Ray Lewis ever been accused of murder. So just remember that. Um, okay. Digital driver's licenses in Utah. Yeah. This seems to be a huge controversy. Right. Yeah. So digital driver's license. The government of Utah wants to stop printing, you know, your driver's license card like we've all known and loved over the years. They would like it to be a digital thing on your phone in the wallet app. Uh, and the main the main argument is that, you know, hey, if you lose your driver's license, it's a whole process to get it back. Right. right? You got to go to the DMV and you got to do this and you got to do that. We've all been through the process. Right. But the on um, but the other side of it is, hey, if you lose your phone, let's say, well, everybody's phone is backed up to like the iCloud or the Google Cloud or whatever it's for Android, you know, um, and you can just wipe the old phone, get a new phone and reload it up and you're good to go. And I actually right. largely agree with that. I think that's a that's a great point. However, a lot of people are saying that this is like there were a lot of people in the public comments when this was, you know, because you know how when you're trying to pass a bill, you know, they make it available for public comment before they, you know, vote and all that good stuff. Right. So a lot of people in the public comments were saying that that um, like this lady and I know everyone's going to be surprised. Her name is Karen. Don't be surprised. What? Her name is Karen. Quote, Karen Layton is her name. This is out of the Salt Lake Tribune. Everything about a digital driver's license brings wrong and evil. It's just a straight path oh, to a train ride to concentration camps. We Wait, get I'm it. sorry. Did you say concentration? Karen, I'm sorry. Can, did you say concentration camps? Jesus. Can dude. I ask a question? Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Yeah, dude. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why does everything go back to the Nazis? The Jews in concentration camps. I don't know. Hey, are you hungry? Nah, that reminds me of concentration camps. Nazis. What the fuck is wrong with people? Like, do you understand that 
what the Holocaust is. Nazis. And when you talk about Nazis. Nazis. And you talk about concentration camps, do you understand the damage that does to people? Yeah. Do you, do you understand? Wow, did you get Betos? I did. You did? Yeah, you were in a weird-ass move, so I came in clutch. Wow. Jake orders Betos burritos. All right, say goodbye, Jake. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I just don't understand this obsession with comparing everything to the Holocaust and, and concentration camps. Yeah, it feels like it comes up too much. But here, but here's the question, right? Yeah, back to the driver's back, license back to the, thing. So here's, But here's the question. So the driver's license was just like the poster child for this conversation. The conversation I want to – and the question I want to ask to you is how comfortable are you using – Apple Pay or Google Pay or Android Pay. Very how comfortable. comfortable. How comfortable are you with having your, like when you fly, having your boarding pass on your phone? Very or, comfortable. Right? Like it's pretty easy. I don't feel like this concept of having a digital driver's license is really that foreign. And by the way, you know, you where's my wallet? Like I own, I don't have some huge thick wallet. I got this little thing right here. It literally has one credit card, my debit card, and my driver's license. And that's it. Like, I'm not carrying around some... I don't carry my wallet. My wife has really helped me get over this. Mm -hmm. I don't carry my wallet nine days out of ten. And A, my wife uses a phone wallet. Mm -hmm. For the new iPhone, I don't like the phone wallet. I used to have one for the older iPhone I had. Right. But now that I don't have a phone wallet, I don't carry my phone. If you don't have Apple Pay... You don't carry I'm, your wallet. My wallet, rather, excuse me. If you don't have Apple Pay, I'm, I'm probably not doing business with you. It's why I uh, Chipotle has it, because where do I spend money? Harmons, Chipotle, and Cafe Rio. Those and they are the all three. Though they all have it. And if, uh, what's it called? Jersey Mike's has Apple Pay. If you drive through a uh, like a McDonald's, they have Apple Pay. At a gas station, that's probably one of the places where you can't use your Apple. You Pay. can use it at Harmon. You can use ha Apple at, Pay at Harmon's. Yeah. you can use Apple. You Pay. can use it at Chevron and, and Shell as well. But you can't use it at Costco. Well, who? Again. But Costco what? gas is way cheaper. Well, that that's might the be only. True. That that's the only true, place but... that I can think of. But other than that, so my wife has really broken me of this. I've got to have my wallet with me thing. But as far as IDs go, this is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. Trust me when I say this. This is not a big deal. You're going to be fine. Everything's on your phone already. By the way, do you understand the privacy leaks you have just by using the internet on your phone? Do you understand the privacy leaks you have just by sending and receiving emails on your iPhone and Android? Do you understand that? Like, if it, your driver's license is already on the dark web, I can almost guarantee it. Your social security number is already on the dark web. The hacks that have happened at your grocery store, at Best Buy, I think the only major company who hasn't had a major info breach, and I could be wrong, is Amazon. But other than that, every major online retailer has had a, a breach of information. So by the way, if you own a gun, your information's public knowledge. Your, all that information is already in the cloud. Yeah. If you've ever bought a gun in Utah, if you've ever had a concealed carry permit in Utah, all that information is already in the cloud. Yeah. So you're making, I think Karens make way more of this. Yeah. And concentration camps. Um, and saying things like that, you're just, you're just bloviating. You're just, yes. you're just running your mouth in my opinion. Yep. So. Okay. Have it. Good. All right. Well, we were going to do a couple other topics, but we're out of time now. We are. It's almost 18. By the way, I just want to real quick talk about oh wow i got i won my shoe auction life is good 
Um, yeah, my wife's like, what shoe auction? Um, yeah, I got, I got, uh, I, I know I just bought a condo. I won the condo auction, but here's what I want to talk about real quick. Three minutes, three minutes on this. Um, there's a house for sale in South Jordan that we were going to buy, that we were thinking about buying, that I would like to buy. It's a beautiful home. It is, it would be a great buy and hold for us. They want $258 a square foot in South Jordan, Utah. That's not what we're about. $258 a square foot? What the, what are you, are you serious? Are you out of your goddamn mind? And it's for sale, and I know it's got a ton of showings on it. I've got to believe it's got a contract on it by now. It's been up for several days. $258 a square foot Yeah. in South Jordan. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing to me. Real estate in this town is out of control. Yeah. And at some point, the, it's going to all fall off because a ton of listings are going to come on the market. But right now, I, I just... You're, it's insane to do business right now. The average listing in Utah is getting nine offers. Yeah. The average listing is getting nine offers. I don't have an issue with offers. I man. have an issue with the price. <laughs> That's the issue. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, it is... It's amazing to me, the price of real estate. Now, we're also closing this Friday uh, on our investment property. The money that it's going to cost me to close this 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 condo we bought... My God. This is fucking America. I should probably not be buying that shoe. I should probably not. My wife is glaring at me. Stink eye in the background. Um, I haven't bought, but I'm going to expense them, by the way, because thank you, Yelp. You pay for my shoes. Yelp actually lets me expense shoe purchases. Life is good, bro. Yeah. Um, anyway, I will expense them today. Right. Uh, but my point is, yeah. it's going to take... This is, and, and I, I'm not trying to be like spectacular. Hey, look at me. I'm going to cut a check on Friday for more than $50,000. Let that sink in. 50 G's is what it costs to buy a condo. Like that's the liquidity. I, that's crazy to me. This money is. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. We'll do 20 minutes on it. It pisses me off. Yeah, the real estate thing is a real conversation. We we will have the real estate conversation tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate every one of you that listens on the audio podcast yesterday. Again, had the single biggest day it's ever had. 13,400 listens to the audio podcast yesterday. Like, that's incredible. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching our YouTube channel. Subscribe. We're giving away this PS5. Find us on social, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.